Hello, and welcome to I'm In Here, a space all about spirituality, healing, and awakening for Black women, inclusive of women of trans experience, as well as gender non-conforming and non-binary people of color. Here, I share tools and skills that have helped me along my spiritual and personal journey, and hopefully you will find some value in the information for your own journey to grow, heal, and align with your higher self. My name is Kendall, and I thank you for joining me. For today's episode, we are going to be talking about love and safety. Oof, heavy topics, love and safety, broad and very specific at the same time. We may not think of these two things, love and safety, being coupled with each other, and yet they very much are, especially if you're BIPOC, queer, BIPOC and queer. Uh, Who you love can often bring up very deep-seated issues around safety for many of us, or lack of safety. I noticed this in my own life. I equated love as something that is unsafe, so to be in a loving relationship, in my mind, meant that I always had to be on guard, always vigilant. This also translated in how I loved myself. Because I only viewed love as how I love someone else or how someone else loves me, I had no foundation of self-love, let alone safety for myself. This was a recent discovery for me within the past two years, as you'll notice that there's a lot of information that I'm sharing with you that has been popping up in the last two years. I think I mentioned in the previous episode, episode two, Radical Acceptance of Difference, that I have been with my wife uh, for 13 years. And I came to the realization that I do not feel safe in this love. (gasps) Shocking, right? That was really kind of hard for me to take in once I realized that or recognized that within myself. The reason why I did not feel safe in this love, and this is a process that I'm working through for myself, this stemmed from past history, the story or the narrative that love is unsafe. Because I'm a queer Black person, by sheer existence of those two things, my love is othered. It's fetishized. It's politicized without my consent. And my love can also be seen as dangerous. So I had to unpack a lot of my shit and get to the root of what love and safety is for me. And that's what I want us to explore together. So first, I'm going to talk about love. I don't know about you, but for me, I didn't fully understand love and what it looks like, what it feels like for me. I discovered that I wasn't really alone in this. I've had many conversations with friends and family, and most of these people that I'm talking to are Black, some are queer. Everyone had this idea of what love is supposed to look like. And when we got deeper into where that idea came from, most of us, including myself, said that you got the idea from television and movies. So if we stop right there, and take that in for a moment. I want you to kind of ask yourself or reflect, has your idea of love come from this romanticized, fictionalized idea 
from television or movies. Let's think about that. What many of us have learned about love has come from something that someone else made up and that someone more often than not does not look like you. They don't have the same family dynamic that you do. They don't have the same lived experiences as you. So once we see that and let that awareness settle in our bodies and our hearts, we realize that our model of love is not our own. And here's the kicker. We strive to live up to this fictional ideal, but often end up mirroring the ways that love showed up in our homes. So if in our home, love was distant, love was fearful, love was fleeting, love was angry, that's the way we tend to show love, not in the fictional ideal that we want to aspire to have. Whatever we saw in our home or in our community is usually how we express love. And then when we come up against the fictional ideal that we hold up as the standard, we get frustrated, not with ourselves. No, 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 that would be too easy. We get frustrated with the people we're loving on. And we say, hey, why aren't you doing X, Y, Z like those people in the movies do? That's what love is supposed to look like, not this crap that you're giving me. And let me say, this isn't about blame. Love is very complex. (laughs) It's multifaceted and it's the most powerful energy in the universe. It really truly is. So we're going to stumble sometimes as we navigate this love thing because we're dealing with our own baggage and the baggage of our great grandmothers and great grandfathers. We got a lot of shit going on in here. One of the things that I want to dismantle is the thought or idea of love being transactional, because that's something that we tend to think of a lot is that in order to receive love or for us to even feel love within ourselves, there is something that we have to do. And I really want, if you think this way, to start breaking that down. Love is abundant. And I'm saying this to you Within my own struggles of feeling that abundance, I have this mentality of love is lack. It's not abundant. It's not easily accessible. I can't attain it. I have to do something in order to get it. Initially, when I was looking at love of self, it was still transactional. I would still do something in order to feel some type of love for myself. Maybe I would take myself out to the movies or I would buy something. And those aren't things that I necessarily wanted to do, but I just always interpreted love as being actionable, taking on some type of movement or doing. I wonder, and I ask this of you, and you can take some time to think about this for yourself. Do you feel the same way? Is love something that is transactional? Did you learn that process or procedure in your life? And did you reinforce that? And have you reinforced that with yourself if you are starting a self-love journey? One of the best tools that helped me understand love in a sort of practical and actionable way was learning my love language. Many of you have read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. This was my first step in getting closer to understanding what love can look like. 
If you know your love language, hold on to that information. And if you don't, after you listen to this, I invite you to go over to the five love languages website and find out what your love language is. Let me just quickly name the different love languages for those of you who may not have heard of them. There's words of affirmation. You like it when someone encourages, affirms, and compliments you through words. Kind and compassionate speech are important to you and you want the words to feel genuine. Next is quality time. You like uninterrupted one-on-one time or doing activities that are special and build deeper bonds. Quality time can also be quality conversations, good listening, limiting or eliminating distractions. Then we have receiving gifts. You like it when you get gifts for special occasions related to you, but also for no apparent reason other than because someone was thinking of you and wanted to show you that they were thinking of you by getting you something special. These gifts can be tangible purchase things, something someone made, or buying you a gift certificate for a massage. Next up is acts of service. You like it when someone helps you complete a task or project. You appreciate it when someone volunteers themselves to do a chore for you, helping out around the house or taking on a job that you have no time to complete on your own. And last but not least, physical touch. You enjoy non-sexual touch from someone like a hug or holding hands. Maybe you appreciate a soft back rub or head rub at the end of the day. Or when you feel sad, you like it when someone makes some physical contact with you to let you know that they're there for you and they're supporting you. I, like many other people, use my love language information to apply it to my relationship with my spouse. My wife and I wanted to learn each other's love languages to understand what they were and support each other in expressing and receiving that love. But I realized that this information could be useful to me in other ways besides how to show love to someone else. I decided to apply my own love language to myself. Quality time and physical touch. Those are my top two love languages. I will say it started out as acts of service and quality time, which can show you that your love language can change over time. So with quality time and acts of service, I started to apply those to myself. I would take time out for myself just to be with me. I would make myself a healthy lunch. I would allow myself some time to rest. I gave myself a night off from doing chores. I would take a bath. So different things I would do and kind of shift the focus rather than from putting all of that or like doing my wife's love languages for her, I started to learn, okay, yes, I would like for my wife to do these things, these acts of service, this quality time, physical touch for me, but I also can do that for myself. Interestingly enough, the love language exercise also helped me to see what feels safe and unsafe first through love and then through my overall self. Back when I first took the test, which was maybe 10 years ago, physical touch was low, if not the lowest language ranked for me. And that awakened a curiosity within me to figure out why that was the lowest. And it didn't take a long time and a lot of digging for me to notice how much physical touch was challenging for me. I started to address a lot of my issues around physical 
intimacy as I was healing my wounds from past traumas. I was fortunate in that I was able to create a team of people who were able to help me deal with and process that trauma. But I wondered how, through love language, could we also address safety and what people need individually in relationships, in community, to feel safe and share that information with others. Fortunately, uh, this is a recent thing, a man by the name of Jake Ernst, who is a licensed therapist, addressed that very issue through an Instagram post. And that post was highlighted by a writer named Gabrielle Smith in an article titled, Move Over Love Language, Do You Know Your Route of Safety? I invite all of you to find that article and read up on routes of safety, what they are, and finding out what yours is. Understanding what feels safe for you and what are the ways that you can be supported in those safety routes, in my opinion, helps give a much more expansive view for love and relationships because love is not always enough. And if you don't feel safe, then it's really hard for love to enter into your life. So let's quickly gloss over these routes of safety and you can see which ones resonate with you. There are eight routes and they can be grouped based on self-resourcing, social resourcing, and action-oriented. First up is inner guidance. This is a self-resourcing route. You like to pause and take a moment to listen to the voice inside, following your intuition and reconnecting with yourself in times of stress. Next is sensory experiences. You use your senses as a way to self-regulate, like squeezing a stress ball, feeling the grass on your feet, maybe petting your dog or cat and feeling their fur. This is also a self-resourcing route. Then we have private retreat. Alone time is what you need for yourself. It doesn't matter what you do in your alone time. What matters most is that you have time and space by yourself to feel safe. And as you may have guessed, this is self-resourcing as well. First up in the social resourcing group is quality relationships. You lean on others for support, whether they be human beings or pets. Having someone around you that you can be with, connect with, communicate with, helps you to feel safe. Next is common humanity. Not only do you lean into support from other people, but you want your feelings, thoughts, and emotions to be validated knowing that you are not only appreciated, but also that you aren't being judged or criticized is important to your safety. Moving now into the action-oriented routes, we start with protective measures. This route is all about actionable safety measures, protecting yourself, defending yourself, things that require some type of motion, whether that motion is in the body or through words and communication. And lastly, we have structure and certainty. You like to have agency and routines or some type of structure. Maybe you like to plan or have some sort of schedule that you follow that builds in a structure that makes you feel safe. So now we've gone over love languages and safety routes, and I invite you to take some time and reflect on these models and see which one fits for you and how you can begin incorporating them into your life. I want to circle back to love for a moment. Earlier, I said that love is abundant and is not transactional, and all of that is true. Love also requires work, and I think that is sometimes where we can get tripped up. 
in my own learning, I've come to realize that opening yourself up to love does take work. Now, you may be listening and thinking, but earlier you said that there's nothing that we have to do. And now you're saying that we actually have to do something. Yes, it may be confusing at first. So let's break this down. Love is everywhere. There is no place, no corner that love does not reside. However, because we have experienced heartache, suffering, loss in our personal lives, and because we live within systems that condition us into believing that we and everything in our lives is a product, we're cut off from that truth of abundance. We have been cut off from nature, from interpersonal relationships, from our relationships with our own bodies and our own wisdom. And make no mistake that that is intentional and by design. This has been going on for hundreds of thousands of years, this severing. So imagine how that shows up in your body in this moment right now. To try and reclaim that wisdom takes effort on our individual and collective part. This is what I mean by the work. How did I learn that love was lacking? Because somewhere in my life, someone taught that to me. And not through words, but through actions. And where did that person learn it from? And the person before that? And see what I'm getting at? Look at your own life and how you really feel about love. Look at your upbringing. What did love look like to you? Just as I was saying earlier about how we strive to have this ideal image of love, but end up doing what we saw and experienced in our childhood, you may want to feel safe and comforted by love, but something within you can't seem to completely let go and allow that love to come into your body, into your life. First, we must acknowledge the barriers and blocks that we created out of fear around losing love because we did that for our own safety. There's no need to judge or criticize yourself. We simply take the first step in trying something different today, right now. So to get to that place of abundance, we have to begin by breaking down and looking at what may be blocking us. I was afraid to let love in because I did not want to get hurt. I had opened myself up many times, and some of those times I experienced great loss and pain. So I closed myself off and kept love at a distance because I wanted to avoid any more pain. And I hate to break it to you, but you can't avoid pain. I know, I know. Pain hurts, and who wants to feel that? But pain is a part of life. We can't avoid it any more than we can avoid breathing. And the longer we avoid pain, the more compacted it gets over time. I say this to you as someone who has been actively facing into my own pain and choosing to love even when it's hard. That doesn't mean that my pain is gone or never surfaces, but the aches and stings don't debilitate me for as long as they used to. We will revisit this topic again, and I would like to hear your thoughts on love and safety and what they mean to you, Share with me your ideas. I am eager to hear them. In addition to finding your love language and route of safety, I want to leave you with some journal prompts that will help you go deeper. You can focus on one prompt or do all of them. Try and write from your stream of consciousness. Let the words flow through you onto the paper or computer screen if you like typing. Maybe you like audio journals and can talk as opposed to writing. Whatever method you choose is entirely up to you. Here are the prompts. 
have I forgiven myself for mistakes in my past? If the answer is yes, how was I able to forgive? If the answer is no, why haven't I forgiven myself? How am I connecting with my inner child? When I feel overwhelmed, I soothe myself by, do I find love easier to give or receive? And why? Unconditional love and compassion looks like, take your time and remember that you can do these prompts at any time. There is no need to rush. Be gentle and patient with yourself. I thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you come back and listen some more. Take care. I'm In Here is produced and edited by me, Kendall. The intro music was also created by me. You can find my wellness business, In Her Power, on Instagram at inher underscore power or on Twitter at inherpower. You can email me with any questions, concerns, ideas, thoughts that you may have. My email address is Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L, at inherpower.space. To help support me in continuing to bring you some great content, I invite you to become a patron. Please make sure you review, share, and subscribe to this podcast.